Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 42, recorded on November 27th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Well, we got a lot to go over this week. Um, We'll start with the market update and outlook and then uh, go into the Bitcoin news and finish off with a piece that I also put in my Substack, but I'll uh, repeat it here on uh, where I buy Bitcoin. Uh, If I can't trust the exchanges, which we can't trust the exchanges. Uh, So jumping right in here, uh, market update for last week, US stocks were mixed in subdued action during Black Friday trading with many market participants still out for the Thanksgiving holidays. The Dow climbed 0.45% while the S&P 500 inched 0.03% lower and the NASDAQ slid 0.52%. Of the 11 S&P 500 sectors, seven traded in the green led by utilities and real estate communication services sector topped the losers list with Activision Blizzard declining as the FTC is reportedly looking to block its $69 billion acquisition by Microsoft. Apple, the top loser in the Dow, slipped on Friday off a report that iPhone production could be hit by worker unrest at Foxconn's plant in Zhengzhou, China. All three major indices ended the holiday shortened week higher, while the 10-year Treasury yield ended the week at 3.72%, and the two-year yield clocked in at 4.48%. Investors will come back from the holiday break to an action-packed calendar. Next week's events will be crucial tests for the sustainability of the rally in rates, which looks to have its roots not just in markets' fundamental reassessments, but also in seeing technical factors at play, noted ING. Looking at the week ahead, investors will come back from the holiday break in the U.S. to a heavy economic calendar that includes updates on consumer confidence on November 29th, the second estimate on Q3 GDP on November 30th, a report on construction spending on December 1st, and the highly anticipated employment report on December 2nd. Economists expected 200,000 payroll additions in November and the unemployment rate to hold steady at 3.7%. Hourly earnings are seen decelerating to plus 0.3% growth from plus 0.4% in October. The jobs report will be crucial in setting rate hike expectations and terminal rate forecasts just ahead of the next FOMC meeting. The general line of thinking is that if the employment report is stronger than anticipated, the market could take a dip on concerns. The Federal Reserve will be more aggressive with rate hikes. While a weak print could raise hopes, the interest rate cycle will be more favorable. Outside of the macro focus, the earnings slate in the week ahead includes Intuit, Salesforce, Dollar General, and Xpeng, while a heavy schedule of conferences runs across all sectors. Okay, moving into the Bitcoin news. First article here is from Bitcoin.com. was updated today, entitled, After More Than 380 Days, Crypto Supporters Celebrate Surviving the Second Longest Bitcoin Bear Market. During the last few months, people have been curious about how long the crypto winter will last. And on Saturday, November 26, 2022, the Redditor 
you slash party MSL published a forum post on our cryptocurrency declaring the current downturn as the second longest bear market ever for crypto. The post's author notes that this crypto bear market is likely to be the longest and stressed that surviving this bear market is no joke. Moreover, uh, you slash party MSL also summarized how the author defines a bear market and explained that it's basically a long period where the price remains significantly below the recent all-time high. With another black swan in crypto and another leg down, this time due to FTX, we are now officially in the second longest bear market ever, an achievement I do not know whether we should be proud of, the R Cryptocurrency Post's author notes, especially as with the current sentiment globally, this could very well be the most brutal and longest bear market. According to the author, the 2018 to 2019 Bitcoin bear market lasted 365 days and the current downturn is now over 380 days. The Redditor also noted that it's highly unlikely crypto prices have hit the bottom. Moreover, with 380 days under the belt, the author highlights that the current crypto bear market is getting awfully close to eclipsing Bitcoin's 2013 to 2015 bear run. To become the greatest crypto bear market, we are not too far off either. The 2013 to 2015 bear market took 415 days, which would put us in early January, which is very likely to still be in a bear market, uh, he explained on Saturday. The Redditor's post was a popular one on our cryptocurrency with 89% of votes and 514 of them at the time of writing. The author's two cents also received many comments from fellow Redditors who also discussed uh, the chart that they sh he shared with the post. Surviving is a bear is a rite of passage, turns rookies into veterans. One individual said 40,000 people used to post here, now it's a ghost town. Another person replied, referring to our cryptocurrency's decline in posts since the bull run. Quitters never win, another Redditor snarked. The post's author reminded the crypto bear market survivors that they should be pleased with the determination and making it this far. You can soon call yourself a survivor in the most brutal and longest crypto bear market in history, and that is not easy, the Redditor concluded. Millions of people left the markets, and we are truly the last one standing for coming this far, and possibly even further. You all deserve a pat on your back. Well done. Interesting piece, uh, and uh, definitely don't think the worst is behind us yet, um, but um, like all bear markets uh this one too shall end so um, meanwhile you know it shouldn't really change your overall approach to um buying uh at low prices and dollar cost averaging etc and again i would say bitcoin only not crypto uh, okay the next one here is uh, from Bitcoin.com, also posted today. This is entitled, Putin calls for international settlements based on blockchain and digital currencies. Always interesting to hear uh, what uh, the rest of the world's thinking. President of Russia, Vladimir Putin, has called for the establishment of a new system for international settlements, independent from banks and third-party interference. It can be created using digital currency technologies and distributed ledgers, the Russian leader said, quoted by local media. Putin was speaking during a conference devoted to artificial intelligence and organized by Russia's largest lender, Spurbank. During his address, he emphasized that financial flows and payments between nations are currently under threat amid tense relations between Russia and the West. 
We all know very well that under today's illegitimate restrictions, one of the lines of attack is through settlements, and our financial institutions know this better than anyone because they are exposed to these practices, the president elaborated. Vladimir Putin was referred to the was referring to the sanctions imposed on the Russian Federation over its invasion of neighboring Ukraine, which have severely limited its access to global finances and markets. According to a report by the Prime News Agency, he also pointed out, today the system of international payments is expensive with correspondent accounts and regulation controlled by a small club of states and financial groups. Based on the technologies of digital currencies and distributed ledgers, it is possible to create a new system for international payments and much more convenient, but at the same time completely safe for participants and completely independent of banks and interference from third parties, Putin explained. Also quoted by the crypto news outlets RBC Crypto and Bits.media. Russia has been mulling over comprehensive crypto regulations in the past months with increasing support for the legalization of cross-border crypto payments. In September, the financial authorities in Moscow started developing a mechanism for international cryptocurrency settlements. A report recently revealed that Russia and Cuba, both under sanctions, are already discussing the matter. So this will be something worth keeping an eye on. Okay, the next article is from Cointelegraph. This was posted on yesterday, November 26th, and uh, sort of a continuation in the fraud story of Alameda and FTX. So this one here is entitled Alameda Research Withdrew $204 million ahead of bankruptcy filing, according to Arkham Intelligence. Uh, Alameda Research withdrew over $200 million from FTX US before it filed for bankruptcy, according to analysis from blockchain firm Arkham Intelligence, which was disclosed on November 25th. In a Twitter thread, Arkham revealed that Alameda Research, FTX's sister company, pulled $204 million from eight different addresses of FTX US and a variety of crypto assets, the majority of them stablecoins, in the final days before the collapse. Among the withdrawn funds, $116 million, or 57.1%, were in stable coins pegged to the U.S. dollar, including Tether, U.S. dollar coin, Binance USD, and True USD. Arkham analysis also showed that $49.49 million, 24.2% uh, of the funds, was in Ether, and $38.06 million, or 18.7%, was in wrapped Bitcoin which by the way is not Bitcoin, it's Ethereum, but it's just pegged to the Bitcoin price and uh, it's garbage. The withdrawn wrap Bitcoin was sent over, sent to the Alameda wrap Bitcoin merchant wallet and then bridged in its entirety to the Bitcoin blockchain, said Arkham, adding that of the 204 million transferred, 142.4 million or 69% was sent to wallets owned by FTX International, suggesting that Alameda May have been operating to bridge between the two entities. Of the Ether transferred, 35.52 million was sent to FTX and 13.87 million was sent to a large active trading wallet. The firm noted that it's unknown whether the almost 14 million in ETH was sent to a to uh, OXA20 as part of a trade or as an internal fund transfer within Alameda. Another 10.4 million was sent to the, the rival cryptocurrency exchange Binance. In the initial bankruptcy filing to the United States Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware, FTX new CEO John Ray III described the situation as the worst he's seen in his corporate career. 
this is the guy, by the way, that was involved in the Enron uh, uh, debacle. Uh, he was hired to resolve that situation. So he's definitely seen a lot. Highlighting the complete failure of corporate controls and an absence of trustworthy financial information. About 130 companies in the FTX group, including FTX Trading, FTX US under West Realm Shire Services and Alameda Research filed for bankruptcy in the United States. On November 11th, following a liquidity crunch after a series of tweets triggered a sell-off of FTX token. Uh, so I'm not a lawyer, but I think uh, taking money out of a company pre-bankruptcy is um, not okay. I think it's called preferential payments or something like that. And so uh, the, if they can, they'll try to claw that back. Um, but um, uh, I would say to the bankruptcy trustee, good luck with that. Um, moving on here, next one is uh, kind of interesting and sort of makes you wonder if uh, Binance is going to be kind of the next FTX here coming up um, in terms of black swans. Uh, this is from Coindesk. This is dated uh, November 24th. Binance allocates another $1 billion for its crypto recovery fund. Crypto exchange Binance has allocated another $1 billion for its industry recovery fund, effectively increasing the size of the fund to over $2 billion. The additional allocation was announced by Binance CEO Changpeng Cizi Zhao on Friday. The size increase comes a day after CZ said that Binance is targeting $1 billion for its crypto recovery fund. Aptos Labs and Jump Crypto, along with other prominent crypto companies, joined Binance's initiative and will contribute $50 million to the fund. The recovery fund would be used to buy distressed crypto assets and support the industry. Hmm, sounds familiar. Sounds like what Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX was doing when the first exchanges started to collapse. The crypto market has seen a massive decline since the start of the year, leading to several crypto firms going out of business. The crypto market continues to be under pressure with Bitcoin trading 1.6% lower during the day, hovering at around 16,400 at the time of writing. So again, this is something we'll have to keep an eye on, but um, again, uh, not sure. I have a lot of confidence. Actually, I have zero confidence in the exchanges. And I think you need to, Hold your own Bitcoin. Okay, moving on. Uh, next article here is from Cointelegraph. This was posted today. Uh, and this is Bitcoin mining revenue, lowest in two years, hash rate on the decline. The revenue earned by, and by the way, Bitcoin mining is a tough business because you can't control the um, price of your output, which is Bitcoin, and uh, you also really can't control the price of your input, which is energy. And so, um, you know, obviously only the strong will survive. Um, there will still be demand for Bitcoin mining just because, you know, as the hash rate drops, the meaning that companies go out of business and they stop mining, uh, the difficulty adjustment changes. And so then it makes it more lucrative and therefore that brings more miners back in. And so it's still a good business, but you have to obviously really have good control over your costs. Anyway, 
the revenue earned by Bitcoin miners fell to two-year lows owing to poor market performance and a heavier computational demand amid rising network difficulty. However, an ongoing downturn in the Bitcoin hash rate over the past month has allowed miners to recoup losses. The total Bitcoin mining revenue, block rewards, and transaction fees in the United States dollars fell down to $11.67 million, a number last seen on November 20th, 2020, when Bitcoin's trading price was around $13,500. While the current market price of around $16,500 suggests an obvious increase in mining revenue, factors including greater mining difficulty and rising energy prices contribute to lower income in dollar terms. Adding to the above, the difficulty of mining a Bitcoin block has skyrocketed to an all-time high of almost $37 trillion, forcing miner, Bitcoin miners to spend more energy and computational power to stay competitive. Over the past three months, however, the hash rate of the Bitcoin network witnessed a steady decline. The hash rate stands at 225.9 exahash per second, which fell 28.6% from its all-time high of 316.7 exahash per second on October 31st, 2022. The hash rate is a security metric that helps protect the Bitcoin network from double spending attacks. However, considering the grand scheme of things, temporary measures taken by the community include acquiring cheaper mining hardware and resettling in jurisdictions with low energy prices. New York City Mayor Eric Adams believes that that goal to make New York a crypto hub can be combined with statewide efforts to curb environmental costs related to crypto mining. I'm going to work with the legislators who are in support of those who have concerns, and I believe we're going to come to a great meeting place, said Adams, while revealing that the city will work with legislators to find a balance between the crypto industry development and legislative needs. Okay, and then moving on here, um, this one I thought was quite bullish. Um, Bitcoin, and this is sorry, from Cointelegraph. This was posted on November 25th. And by the way, I'll, as usual, I'll include the links to all the articles in, in the show notes um, so you can check them out for yourself. Uh, Bitcoin addresses holding at least one Bitcoin close in to a million. Uh, so this means, you know, obviously there's a lot more people that hold one coin. Um, which is a really good thing, I think, for long-term adoption and and uh, and obviously, you know, uh, if the Bitcoin price uh, increases in the future, which we expect it will, um, these folks that have one coin will should be pretty happy that they have one coin. So smaller smaller wallet addresses in the Bitcoin ecosystem continue accumulating Bitcoin despite market turmoil. The number of known addresses on the Bitcoin blockchain that hold one Bitcoin or more has hit a new all-time high. According to blockchain analytics company Glassnode, the number of wallets holding at least one Bitcoin or more reached 950,000. Um, and again, this is also impressive given that we're in a very, very bad bear market. So um, the hodlers are, are definitely um, hodling. Bitcoin podcast host Jake Woodhouse told Cointelegraph to the untrained eye, the price of something reflects the value. However, price action should not be confused with value as the most recent data in the Bitcoin market represents. He added, clubs around the world are hoovering up Bitcoin as they see this an opportunity to accumulate a wildly undervalued asset, which most assume has no value as the price collapses. Bitcoin is dead, shouts the mainstream. Is it? Clearly many disagree. 
Bitcoin Pleb is the name adorned to ordinary people around the globe who support Bitcoin. Plebs buy Bitcoin or in Pleb speak stack sats, satoshis, and continue to believe in Bitcoin despite mainstream media's attempts to eulogize the decentralized mm -hmm. technology. Um, the trend coincides with billions of dollars of Bitcoin and crypto exiting exchanges, as Woodhouse suggests. The Bitcoin plebs of humbler means demonstrate higher levels of conviction while the price flirts with the low teens. Woodhouse digs into self-custody. How many of these Bitcoin are in self-custody never to be moved again? My bet the majority. Indeed, in the aftermath of the FTX fiasco, some Bitcoin enthusiasts are learning how to take custody of their Bitcoin, register, registering record withdrawals from exchanges. According to Glassnode data, exchange balances have trended down since the beginning of the year. In January, exchanger balances measured roughly 2.8 million, or almost 15% of the total supply of Bitcoin mined. In November, exchange balances are down to 2.3 million Bitcoin, or shy of 11% of the total supply. Woodhouse told Cointelegraph the bear market is highlighting the fraudsters who have been selling Bitcoin derivatives, naturally promoting the superpower of Bitcoin self-custody, which I believe individuals are taking heed of, a signal of huge positivity for the Bitcoin bulls. Billionaire Michael Saylor, one of the wealthiest Bitcoin bulls, agrees. Saylor recently shared nuggets of wisdom with Cointelegraph concerning the bear market. He advised Bitcoin buyers to relax and focus on the big picture. Okay, and then I'll <clears throat> finish up by going through this week's um, Substack post um, entitled, Can't Trust the Exchanges, How Do I Buy Bitcoin? And uh, that the Bitcoin ecosystem is growing and there are plenty of options. So with crypto exchanges and lenders um, continuing to blow up in a spectacular chain reaction, this has inevitably caused the price of Bitcoin to fall even further. It's important to understand that Bitcoin is the only asset that can reliably be sold by crypto lenders or exchanges in a downturn when liquidity is needed. This is not dissimilar to the traditional financial system when faced with a liquidity crisis and a need for cash. Everything is sold, including the best assets like blue chip stocks, real estate, gold, silver, etc. It's my belief that the market is mispricing the intrinsic value of Bitcoin in the wake of this chain reaction event. At the same time, <clears throat> it's hard to trust the centralized exchanges for purchasing and even short-term custody of your coins until you can send them to cold storage. And indeed, you shouldn't, given what we are learning now about how these exchanges operate. And who knows, in the future, maybe it'll be better if there's some kind of regulation on these exchanges, which... Um, I'm guessing is coming. So far, we've seen the following exchanges lenders go down. Celsius, Three Arrows Capital, Voyager, BlockFi, FTX. FTX is by far the biggest one. Indeed, only a few months ago, FTX was stepping in to rescue the other failed exchanges. And SBF, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO, was being touted as the JP Morgan of crypto. In reality, FTX was probably owed so much money by these failed exchanges that there was no other choice but to step in, paper over the losses, and hope they could raise more money later. One of the things we're learning in the wake of these collapses is that all of these companies are intertwined, providing custody services for each other's customer assets and loaning money back and forth, collateralized by crypto assets, <clears throat> most of which, other than Bitcoin, have no real value. 
In FTX's case, they created a few cryptos and sold some coins to create a market cap for the coins and then borrowed real money against this fabricated crypto asset, bought more assets and applied more leverage, rinse and repeat. Then there's the yield product offered to exchange customers. As an example, the exchange would agree to pay you 2% on your Bitcoin and then they would take your Bitcoin and loan it to another exchange who would agree to pay your exchange, say, 4% and after paying you 2%, they would keep the 2% spread. If you read the fine print of these agreements, you basically give up your Bitcoin in exchange for the yield and you have to trust not only your exchange, but also the counterparty to the yield agreement that actually holds your coins. I was in one of these with my Bitcoin IRA sponsored by Digital Capital Group, which thankfully I exited and moved over to self-custody with Unchained Capital before all this mayhem started. I did my homework in that regard and my research indicated that Genesis was a pretty solid counterparty at the time, but not so much now since they recently froze all withdrawals. The borrower of the Bitcoin, of course, is speculating that the price of Bitcoin will go up such that they can earn a profit after paying the interest on the loan. However, when the market crashes, this type of leveraged investment no longer works and borrowers either have to pay back the loan or post additional collateral. Digital Capital Group Genesis, one of the largest cryptocurrency companies in the space, is looking for $1 billion in fresh capital as a result of the knock-on effects of the other exchanges going out of business, most recently FTX. If you're interested in a great recap of the DCG Genesis situation, check out Arthur Hayes' latest essay, and I've included a link, uh, and I'll include a link in the show notes too, because it's really good. There are a lot of potentially bad outcomes for Bitcoin, the worst of which would be the liquidation of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is the largest institutional holder of Bitcoin. This would definitely depress the price of Bitcoin further, although I still believe that this would be temporary. Liquidation is a very low probability event. However, as Hayes points out, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is a very valuable asset, mostly due to the 2% management fee the sponsor earns. I guess this is a version of you are the yield, since as an investor, you can't convert your GBTC shares directly into Bitcoin, and your only option, other than holding on and continuing to pay the fee, is to sell them to someone else on the market, most likely at a much lower price than you bought at. You wouldn't do this if you thought there was a chance that GBTC would get converted into an exchange-traded fund at some point in the future, which would remove the discount almost immediately since it would directly track the daily price of Bitcoin uh, and or if you expected the price of Bitcoin to recover substantially. Indeed, there are some investors that see this as an interesting speculation now, although I'd prefer just buying Bitcoin directly. There will be some institutions who will want to buy the GBTC fund and keep it intact, especially since there's no alternative in the U.S. with no Bitcoin physical ETFs approved yet and none likely anytime soon, plus the locked-in Bitcoin and fee yield. Grayscale Bitcoin Trust shares are currently trading at a 40% discount to net asset value, meaning you can theoretically acquire Bitcoin at a 40% discount to market by buying these shares. The huge discount is most likely because there are concerns that the Bitcoin may not be there, suspicions that it may have been loaned out or leveraged away to a counterparty in a bad loan, concerns about the financial viability of the sponsor, or as mentioned above uh, previously in the event of liquidation, the price of Bitcoin would plummet. At this point, there is zero trust and everyone and everything is being called into question. 
Are the coins really there? Who has them? How do we know? Was there an audit? The fact that Grayscale wasn't willing to provide cryptographic audit proof got some people nervous, and I included um, in the post uh, from Santiago Capital and Twitter, wasn't part of the blockchain revolution going to be the ability to provide transparency and verification in a safe, secure, and immutable format? And this was in response to a CNBC article that Grayscale refused to share proof of reserves due to security concerns. Um, here's another take uh, after Coinbase Custody confirmed that they do, in fact, have all of Grayscale's Bitcoin held in cold storage and they haven't been lent out. Uh, this was a, a Twitter post from Corey at Swan Bitcoin. Since 100 people asked me this week, yes, I believe Grayscale Bitcoin Trust has all the Bitcoin they're supposed to have in custody at Coinbase. I wish I'd sold my GBTC long, long ago, but at this point I'm writing it out. ETF 2030, baby. While we may see further downside to the Bitcoin price in this bear market, longtime Bitcoin investors know that the bear market is the time to accumulate more Bitcoin. It's important to understand the difference between Bitcoin, which is a truly unique digital asset, and crypto, which is nothing more than a digital version of the traditional finance system we have today, only with less regulation and more fraud. As a refresher, these are the qualities of Bitcoin. Absolutely scarce, 21 million maximum coins. Transfers are peer-to-peer -peer without an intermediary. You can send value to anyone, anywhere in the world with a computer and an internet connection. The Bitcoin network operates independently of all legacy financial systems. It is the first digital global payments infrastructure. No counterparty risk when self-custody. Trustless, Bitcoin is not controlled by any person or group. A hedge against fiat currency debasement collapse in the same way that gold is, but doesn't have gold's drawbacks of difficulty to validate, store, transfer, and secure, especially in large amounts. So in summary, we can trust Bitcoin that we hold ourselves, but we can't trust crypto, nor can we trust centralized exchanges. Where then does a person buy their Bitcoin if you can't trust the centralized exchanges? Here are a few places I've used that are Bitcoin native companies and have worked pretty well for me. And by the way, I don't get any uh, referral bonuses. I don't have any arrangements with any of these guys. I have no financial incentives. I don't like taking, I don't take any contributions or anything. So this is pretty straight up uh, and based on my experience. So the first one is Strike. You can download the app on your phone and purchase Bitcoin for no fee. The only downside is there's a daily cash deposit Bitcoin purchase limit of $1,000. So if you want to make larger purchases, you may want to choose one of the other options. Also, you can set up direct deposit from your paycheck that can go straight into Bitcoin, which is great for dollar cost averaging. Strike has a number of different recurring purchase options, so you can set up an auto transfer from your checking or savings account periodically during the month, and then schedule recurring Bitcoin purchases. I tried doing daily purchases for a while, but it's a bit much for record keeping because I like to track you know, my cost basis of each of my purchases, so I just went with a twice a month uh, with part of my paycheck. You can easily transfer your coins at any time to cold storage. Just scan the QR code of your cold storage wallet, verify, and send. The next one is Swan. Swan they just launched a mobile app, but so far I've only used their website. You can do recurring ACH transfers from your bank account or wire funds into your account. Funds have to clear before they can be converted into Bitcoin, so the best way is to wire funds since that clears immediately, <clears throat> and you can purchase right away. Swan charges a 1% transaction fee. The coins can be withdrawn almost immediately into cold storage. 
And they also have the option to set up auto withdrawals. Um, their security is very good. They send you a link and a passcode to log in, and they also use two-factor authentication. Um, before withdrawing to cold storage for the first time, you have to confirm your wallet address, and they also send you an email confirming your withdrawal and giving you a chance to lock your account in the event that for some reason your account uh, gets compromised. And then last is Unchained Capital. Unchained has uh, always had a trading desk, but the limits were rather high. But now they've made the minimum purchase lower, which is $2,000. And you can buy spot with a 1% fee and wire funds by the next business day. Once they receive the wire, they deposit the Bitcoin directly into your Unchained multi-sig cold storage. So there's no need to have to separately move the coins. Unchained also has a great security including two-factor authentication, and they act as a collaborative custodian. And there's some other stuff that you can do with them as well. But uh, the collaborative custodian means you always have control over your coins in a two of three multi-signature setup. So you hold two keys, they hold one key. I really like the services they offer, which includes self-custody, multi-sig Bitcoin IRA, self-custody, multi-sig vault for non-retirement Bitcoin, and they also offer Bitcoin loans in case you need to use your Bitcoin and don't want to sell. Um, I haven't done a loan yet, but may do one in the future. Um, and obviously there are other lenders um, that do Bitcoin loans. My understanding is that it's very quick since they're lending against the value of the Bitcoin. So there's minimal documentation, unlike other types of loans, like a mortgage, for example, where you have to produce tons and tons of paper. I checked the, and the current rates are 12%, the loan to value ratio is 40%, and there's a 1% origination fee. Um, so minimum loan amount is 10,000. You basically pay interest only every month and then the balance is due at maturity. They offer six month and 12 month terms. Um, the Bitcoin collateral is stored by Unchained in a multi-sig vault where you hold the key, they hold the key and a third party custodian holds the third key. So again, two out of three are required to move the coins. Um, and this in a way helps Unchained, um, helps enforce their inability to rehypothecate the collateral. So basically they can't loan it out again to someone else to make uh, more money because you can always check to see that your coins are still there. Uh, but of course, you have to be careful. I, you know, again, leverage can wipe you out. So, you know, it's it's probably really, really a good idea to to not to 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 um, not not leverage a lot of your Bitcoin, um, at, you know, at a time, um, and um, uh, be prepared. You know, if you have to bring more collateral or, or pay it off, so you don't lose your coins. Um, and I certainly probably wouldn't be doing it uh, now. I'd be waiting for the Bitcoin price to get a little bit higher. So uh, as you can see, there are many alternatives to Binance, Coinbase, Crypto.com, or any of the other remaining centralized crypto exchanges to buy Bitcoin. The Bitcoin community is alive and well, as I learned at the Pacific Bitcoin Conference a couple of weeks ago. And um, I posted a link in, in the, um, the blog post to, to that blog post. So you can read more about that if you missed it. There continues to be a lot of innovation in the space, and there are many Bitcoin-only companies that are developing better financial services on the Bitcoin network that are aligned with the ethos of the Bitcoin community. So as they say, stay humble and stack sats and also hold your own keys. 
Uh, as far as self-custody goes, I've written about that before. I included a link also in the um, article back to uh, something I wrote about eight months ago on a quick start to Bitcoin self-custody. It's really not that hard to buy a cold card, a Trezor or Ledger signing device. Um, you should always do it direct from the vendor, not from Amazon or some other reseller. And you watch a YouTube video or two on how to set up your device. Many people are worried about self-custody since we're all trained not to self-custody our assets. Instead, we're taught to put our money in a bank or other financial institution and let them take care of it. But to take full advantage of Bitcoin, we need to unlearn this. And so getting comfortable with self-custody is important. The best way to, is simply to get started with a small amount, try moving the coins around between wallets. Once you do it a few times and have more confidence, it gets a lot easier. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.